Hi folks, I'm Bob Main, and welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. Episode 529, to be exact, and this is a practical show done by a practical guy, and that is me. I am not ex-military or ex-law enforcement. I am not an industry insider or gun writer or anything like that. I'm just an everyday guy. And I take my Second Amendment rights and most of my freedoms very seriously. And I share my journey with you here on the Handgun World podcast. So that is the kind of perspective you are going to get. This show is sponsored by Concealment Solutions. Makers of fantastic holsters. I own several. I use mostly their outside the waistband holsters. But their inside the waistband appendix carry holsters. Even their belts. Fantastic belts. One of my favorite belts I have is a horsehide concealed carry belt from Concealment Solutions. Check them out, concealmentsolutions.com, and you get a 10% discount just by using the coupon code HANDGUNWORLD at checkout. So this week I have some listener feedback, one in particular that I want to talk about, and then I'm going to talk about the 9th and 10th Amendments to the United States Constitution. And so that will wrap up my coverage of the Bill of Rights that I wanted to start doing long before the election started so you really know what it is that you're voting for so that you really understand what is at stake coming up in this election. So that'll be towards the second half of this episode. This release date is November 1st, 2020. Election day, two days away from the release of this episode. So let's get right started. I got a great email. I get a lot of good emails, folks. And I want you to know I do read every email that I receive from you, the listeners. I I read them all. And I cannot, and I will generally respond to all of them. I can't put all of them on the podcast or it would be way too long. But sometimes something stands out. So I got to tell you about this one. It comes from a, a listener whose name I don't have permission to use so i'm just going to call him alec let's just say that alec so what alec asks me is this it's a two-part question he said bob he's a new shooter he said i'm a new shooter and he said bob on episode 527 you made a point on why the sig p365 xl makes no sense for you as a concealed carry gun, but then on episode 28, or 528, you mentioned that you're thinking about buying one. Can you explain that? And then he, part uh, part number two of his question, I'm looking to buy a hammer-fired double-action, single-action, semi-automatic, but I'm puzzled regarding the selection of a gun and whether I should get a gun with a safety or a decock or lever. He says, my understanding is that law enforcement favors the use of safeties, uh, but wonders if it might slow him down. And so should he get one with a decocker or get one with a um, uh, safety? And uh, thank you for answering both of these. So, Alec, let me talk about question one. You're right. I contradicted myself. I did. I contradicted myself. This is part of the evolution of how those of us who who conceal carry and how we evaluate things it's kind of the evolution that we go through sometimes you think no i would never get a gun like that and then sometimes you say well yes maybe i would and in a short period of time i kind of changed my mind on it and i'll tell you what changed my mind i'm going to explain this Um, i did not realize just how easy it is to switch 
the fire control group in those small SIG pistols or any of the SIG P-series. And uh, when I saw some uh, videos on it and, uh, and had a chance to see just how easy it is to change the fire control group, that kind of changed my mind a little bit. And actually, I think what I'm probably going to do, Alec, is I'm going to... I'm going to get a P365 grip module, excuse me, a P365 XL grip module for my P365 because it's real easy to just take the fire control group, which is actually the gun, uh, you know, the way SIG designs these. You just pull out the whole, you know, trigger mechanism and the whole assembly and everything. I call it the fire control group. Some people call it something different. You just pull all that out of one grip module and put it into the other grip module. I mean, it's almost that simple. I mean, you have to, you know, you have to punch a pin out and you got to, you know, it's it's not it's not a two minute job, but it's probably a, a five minute job. And so that's that's kind of why it it sort of changed my mind. Um, there are very few pistols where you can do that, where you can easily uh just change grip modules like with the uh, SIG guns. So the reason I changed that my mind on that is if you own a P365XL, for example, and you want to change it to the same grip size but keep the barrel length, the same grip size of a P365, it's very easy to do. Or going the other way. If you have a P365 and you want to add some grip length to it, which, which still, I think, kind of defeats the purpose of a real small gun, but if you want to add to the grip length, then you can just buy a 365XL grip module and you can convert your 365 to kind of a hybrid, uh, a 365 upper with a 365XL lower. Now, the reason I want to buy a 365XL is just because I want to have an excuse to buy another gun, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a good excuse, isn't it? I mean, why not? I, but I'm going to stand by what I said in episode 527 that if you're going to have a small gun, try to keep it a small gun. And if you're going to have a larger gun, try to keep it a, a larger gun. In between guns, I think somewhat defeat the purpose. So I'm going to change my mind, say, I'm okay, I'll take back where I said that it makes no sense. It makes sense, especially with the SIG models. Because it's so easy to change grip modules. I can't do that with my Glocks. Okay. I mean I can take a 43 upper. A Glock 43 upper. And I can put it on a 43X lower. It's exactly the same thing actually. The 43X is nothing but a Glock 43. With a longer grip. So I could do that. And, it, and, the, and the 43X and the 48 are also interchangeable. But I still have to have two guns to do that because the way a Glock gun is built and most of the striker-fired semi-automatics are built, the way they're built is that on the lower is the serialized part number. So that's by the rules of the ATF is what's actually considered the gun. So what SIGDA has done is they've done it differently and they let you interchange uh, grip modules so much easier with very little work and very little cost. I mean, you know, $65, $70 for those grip modules is normally all that you have to pay. So 
I hope I clarified that for you, Alec. Um, it's it's kind of like I reserve the right to change my my mind, and I reserve the right to buy a gun, even if I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. If I have the money and I want to buy it, I'll buy it and maybe just test it out anyway. I have not had a chance. And part of where I was going with my comments, Alec, is that I've not had a chance to carry and test a 365 XL for a long time. I've had a 365 for over a year. I have shot a 365 XL, but I have not had a chance to carry one and do some training and practice with one. So that's another reason why I think I'm going to buy a 365 XL because I want to test it. And I may come to the same conclusion. It's a small gun made too large, and I might as well just keep a, a small gun and use the P365 version. And if that's the uh, decision that I make, then, you know, it's, it's really easy for me to either sell that 365 XL if I don't like it, or just uh, put a different grip module on it and shrink down the grip a little bit so it's the same size as the 365. Then I would have pretty much two guns that are almost the same, one with a little bit longer barrel length. So the modularity, the modularity makes a big um, impact. But I like to buy guns and test them. And even if I don't think that they're ideal, um, I like to still sometimes, when I can, buy them and test them. Like a Glock 19X, for example. You know, I still don't think that for concealed carry that that gun makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm not going to rule out buying a 19X. It's just that I probably would never carry a 19X because carrying a 19 is just fine for me and I don't, I don't need the extra grip length of a 19X. But going to like a competition match might be fun with a Glock 19X or a Glock 45 let's say the model 45 okay which is basically the same as the 19x clear as mud right am i confusing people uh it, it's rather confusing sometimes but if you look this stuff up you'll see what i'm talking about if you look up a glock 19x and you look up a glock model 45 you'll see there's not a lot of differences minor differences but not a lot of differences now part two of alex question you know, he wants to buy a hammer-fired double-action, single-action semi-auto, but wants to know about, well, well, should he get one with a safety button or a lever or a decocker, a safety lever or a decocker lever? Well, Alec, I'm going to say this. I, I know that you say that you're interested in buying a gun like that, so since you're interested, I will go ahead and render my opinion. Uh, I'll just say that I am not a big fan of either one double action, single action, or any kind of a defensive handgun that has a manual thumb safety. But if you are interested, more power to you. It's your right to each their own. Everybody, I'm open-minded to this stuff, folks. So I would say, Alec, get a double action, single action with a decocker because it's still a point-and-shoot weapon. You know, draw the gun, press the trigger. Now, the first trigger press is going to be a double action, and then you're going to be in single action mode every shot after that. But at least you don't have to worry about disengaging a thumb safety. And you still have a very safe gun with a double action, single action gun. Something like a, a Sig P226 or a Beretta or a Sig P229. There's tons of them out there. 
Those are just some examples. You can have a very safe gun, very fine gun, very quality weapon if you get something like that. And uh, some people make a good valid argument that double action, single action guns with decockers are some of the safest guns that you can carry. There's a very good argument for that. Other people make a good argument that a 1911, a single action only 1911 with a thumb safety is a very safe gun to carry. And both would be correct if they make that argument. So I'll compliment those guns that way. But here's what I don't like. I have seen it happen. I'm telling you the truth. I'm, I'm not embellishing this. I have seen it happen where people are in a competition match or in a training class or just practicing and they draw their gun and they cannot disengage the thumb safety very quickly. And they lose a second and a half, two seconds maybe, because they haven't practiced enough with it. I think it takes a high degree of training to be efficient enough with a thumb safety handgun. It takes a very high high level of training. In other words, when I say high level, it takes a lot of training to be able to develop the skills to quickly and efficiently every single time disengage that thumb safety. And a lot of people just don't train that much. They don't. They just don't practice and train that much. That much. So if they don't, I recommend a point-and-shoot weapon. I recommend a striker-fired only weapon or a double-action, single-action where you don't have to disengage the safety. There's really no safety on a double-action, single-action gun with a decocker. Okay, you're decocking the gun. You're not really putting on a safety. You're decocking it. But as, as long as you press the trigger until the trigger breaks and it fires the shot, that's, that's pretty much kind of a point-and-shoot gun. So that's why I would recommend the DASA with a decocker instead of a handgun with a thumb safety. Now, I know I've made some, I've made some people uh, maybe a little irritated by saying that. But I've seen it happen. And no, I don't hate 1911s. Uh, but uh, it's, I've, I've even seen people that didn't get a very good grip on a 1911. And uh, so they didn't depress the grip safety either. And sometimes they don't have a good grip. And they, they, do, they do flip off the thumb safety, but maybe they don't have a good grip. And so they don't depress the grip safety. Or maybe their grip is too high. And they don't push the grip safety in far enough. I've seen people do that with Springfield XD pistols also. Uh, ooh, wow, I just made some people mad now. Criticizing the Springfield XDs, right? But no matter what I say about any gun, I'm going to irritate some people. So I, I just feel it's my obligation to tell you what I think I, is going on out there and what I see and it's it's based on experience. I'm not just regurgitating what other people say. Uh, you know, I've I've been I've been an instructor in front of a a fair number of students, and I've been to a, a quite a few competition matches, and I've watched very high level shooters, um, a lot, and most of them are moving towards either striker fired guns or double action, single action guns and I've seen them make the mistake sometimes of losing a second or two um, do and mostly mostly it's not the high level shooters that do it all the time it's new shooters it's new shooters that sometimes forget to 
disengage the thumb safety. Most of the time, it's with new shooters. You know, if you practice thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds, then yes, it will become, some people use the term muscle memory. I hate to use the term muscle memory. But it will become second nature to you. And then you can become very efficient with a gun like that and very effective with a gun like that. But anyway, I wanted to answer this uh, listener's question. So, Alec, very good email, very good question that you sent to me. I hope that this kind of gives you some things to think about. And if anybody wants to email me, it's handgunworld at gmail.com. Handgunworld at gmail.com. If you want to call in a voicemail, 210-646-1727. Again, that's 210-646-1727. Please support the show, folks. I um, I do this. I only have one sponsor, and it, it he Jason's a great sponsor, but you know there's there's a whole lot more support that I need to keep doing this show, and uh, I I try to trust you, the listener, to support us and to support me doing this. So when I say us, Ben Branham and I, Ben Ben Branham from the Modern Self Protection Podcast, we have a joint venture called the Shooters Club. And it's Ben and I, then we've produced over 85 videos, 85 very good instructional videos that you could access for only $8 a month or $75 a year. So that's one way you can do it. I have a Patreon membership uh, where you can become a Patreon of the Handgun World podcast. You can become a patron for as little as $3 a month, and that'll support me. So check the show notes for direct links for the Shooters Club and for my Patreon page. You can also make your Amazon purchases through my Amazon store. The holidays are coming up real fast. And if you're going to be doing some shopping on Amazon, just make a stop at handgunworld.com first, handgunworld.com, and click where it says the Amazon store, and then log into your account. And that will help support me because I'm an Amazon affiliate. But the best way is our classes coming up November 14th and 15th in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Still some room in that class. Beyond Concealed Carry Enhanced, Ben Branham and I are the instructors. Come join with us. Train with us in the Dallas area for two days. Um, and check that out. Go to handgunworld.com. Come take our class in January. We're going to be in Houston. If you want us to come to your city, get a hold of me, and I'll explain to you. It's not that difficult. It's pretty easy to be a host for us. And uh, you can earn yourself a a free spot in the class and maybe even uh, a little bit more beyond that. So get a hold of me, email me is the best way, handgunworld at gmail.com. So let's talk about the Ninth and Tenth Amendments of the Constitution. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm nervous. I'm nervous about this election. Uh, There's a lot of reasons why I'm nervous about it. You know, as a Second Amendment Second Amendment advocate, a huge Second Amendment advocate, which is why I've done this podcast for 11 years and well over 500 episodes. I'm nervous because there are politicians running this election cycle that are extremely anti-gun. And I mean extremely anti-gun. And you know who they are. Uh, They've made no secret about their anti-gun 
position. They've made no secret about it. Um, so that's one reason why I'm very nervous. I'm, I'm very nervous about what kind of a country are we going to have, depending on which way this election goes. Now, I'm just going to say this. Please don't vote on personality, okay? Actually, if you vote on personality, you probably are not going to like Trump nor Biden because Biden's personality is not very good either. Um, and he's half asleep most of the time. But anyway, and I can understand how some people don't like Trump's personality, but look at their policies. Look at their policies, folks. You, you make a decision in just two days from when this podcast releases. You make a decision of what kind of country do you want to live in here in America. For my international listeners, that's what we're facing here. We're making a choice. What kind of a country? Because one side wants to create a country where they want to take away our guns. They want to take away a lot of our freedoms. They want to take away our religious freedom. They've already demonstrated that. They want to lock down the country again due to COVID-19. One candidate for president has said, if I feel like I need to, I'm going to lock the country down again. Um, we can't afford that, folks. We just simply cannot. Uh, this, this lockdown has caused enough damage the way it is. They want to take away our, our religious freedoms. Many of them already told us we couldn't go to church during COVID-19. Couldn't go to church. Right? The First Amendment prohibits any government intervention into religion. Okay? But they did that. They violated the First Amendment earlier this year. They violated our First Amendment rights. I covered the First Amendment several weeks ago. Freedom of religion is a big part, and freedom of speech is a huge part of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. They, they violated it. They said we couldn't gather in church, okay? Uh, and it was their, the government's arbitrary decision. Some of the states made that decision. So that's the kind of stuff that is at stake coming up in, in this election. Do you want that kind of America? If you're still undecided two days before the election and you're going to wait until election day to make your decision, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm getting through to you right now. What kind of an America? The other side uh, does not want to shut us down again. The other side wants to regenerate our economy. The other side's not going to take our Second Amendments away, our Second Amendment rights away from us. So get out there and vote. And, you know, if you think, oh, well, I can vote for one candidate and, you know, even though, even though he and his vice president have said many times they want to ban, ban my guns, they're never going to do that. Right. Really? Yes, they will. You know, whenever, whenever some of these politicians say something, you should believe them. When they say this is what they're going to do or what they want to do, believe them. Believe them. doesn't mean that they always get their way. But, but that's their intentions, okay? So believe them and decide for yourself what kind of an America do you want to live in. I don't want to live in a socialist America. Every other place that socialism has been tried, it has failed in this world. It's failed. I don't want to live in a socialist America. We've lost a lot of freedoms already in the last 40 or 50 years. We've lost a lot. I don't want to lose any more. I don't care about the personality 
of the of one of the candidates. I don't care about the personality or the social media posts. I don't care. I care about the policies, the policies, or at least the policy proposals. Okay, I don't want to be taxed into oblivion. I don't want to have to pay for a trillion dollar government package that wants to, you know, reduce and change the whole way that we have energy in this country and and tax me into oblivion and tax another 200 million Americans into oblivion to pay for it. Okay, that's robbing from some people to pay it to others. That's what that is. I don't want that kind of an America. So what kind of an America do you want? Forget the personality. Decide based on what kind of an America do you want. So the Ninth Amendment of the United States Constitution. Well, this is an interesting one. It says, The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Okay, for example, there is no right. Now, this is going to be controversial here, okay? But, for example, there is no right to health insurance because that would curtail the freedom of all citizens by burdening them to pay for it. Well, guess what? For almost 10 years, we've lived with that burden that we have to buy health insurance or pay a fine. That's unconstitutional. It's a violation of the Ninth Amendment. Okay? It, it's clearly that. But yet, it was allowed to stand. And again, uh, and it's been... It's been scaled back, but it's one of the things I'm saying that I don't want an America like that. And to put it more simply, the Ninth Amendment says that all rights not listed in the Constitution belong to the people and not to the government. Okay, I'll say that again. All rights not listed in the Constitution belong to the people, not the government. In other words, the rights of the people are not limited to just what the Constitution says. So if something's not in the Constitution, then it's the right of the people to decide and it's the right of the people to make the decision that they want to make. Government should not ram anything down our throats if they don't have the right to do that in the Constitution. And the Constitution of the United States limits the federal government's power. It limits the federal government's power and it's supposed to limit it quite a bit but our federal government has become way too powerful. And uh, so that's the Ninth Amendment. Now let me talk about the Tenth Amendment, which is somewhat similar. The Tenth Amendment says the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. So a lot of people call this the States' Rights Amendment. Okay, because what this says is that whatever the Constitution does not limit, in other words, like I just got done saying, it, it limits the powers of the federal government. Whatever it does not limited, limit, that's up to the states to decide. So if the Constitution doesn't say, federal government, you cannot do this. If it doesn't say that, if it says, if it's silent about what the federal government cannot do, then each state in the United States can 
determine what they are going to do in their particular state. Okay? States' rights. And it's a big deal. It's a big deal because really what we have, we're supposed to have in America is 50 sovereign states. And as a matter of fact, I mentioned it in one of my most recent episodes. The election we're going to have in two days is not a national election. It's it's 50 separate state elections. That's what it really is. And then once all 50 elections are finished, we have an electoral college that comes from the states that represent each state according to its population. And they typically vote for president according to how their state voted. So when you hear them, when you hear like the pollsters or when you hear the election results and the election results say, well, Trump won the state of Texas or Biden won the state of California. What that means is that Trump or Biden won enough votes in that state to win the electors from the electoral college of that state. So that's why it comes down to who wins the most electoral votes. And that usually means who wins the most states. Usually. That means who wins the most states. They become the president. Okay, that's... We have 50 state elections. 50 separate state elections for president. We have... And in those state elections, we elect our senators. We elect our U.S. House of Representatives. We elect our local of uh, government officials, our mayors, and our local state reps, and our local, uh, our, our state senators on a state level. We elect, like I said, we elect mayors, we elect county judges, all kinds of what we call down-ballot elections that all go on at the same time in 50 different states. So that's it. I've covered in the last several weeks the first 10 amendments in the United States Constitution typically called the Bill of rights. And I love what Alan Gottlieb at the Second Amendment Foundation says. He says it's a bill of rights, not a bill of needs. <laughs> and and he references that by saying that, you know, there are people, there are politicians that say, well, you don't need a gun like that. Well, it's not about needs, Alan Gottlieb says. It We have a bill of rights, not a bill of needs. It's not about needs. No government should be able to determine what I need or what you need or what your family needs, or your relatives need. Only you determine what you need. Now, you have rights that are protected, or supposed to be protected by the government, but needs has absolutely nothing to do with it. You know, I mean, even if I don't need another AR-15, I have the right to buy one. And only I get to decide whether I have enough AR-15s or Glocks or Smith & Wesson M&Ps or SIGs. Only I get to decide that. No government gets to to decide that. If I want to live my life without any health insurance coverage, I have the right not to have health insurance coverage. And that right should not be infringed. Most of you know that I'm a Christian man. I'm a I'm a strong, born-again Christian person. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I have I make no apologies ever admitting that because I think it's it's the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And I have the right to believe that. And no government should have the ability to tell me I can't believe that. And if you don't believe that, that's okay. 
You have the right to believe whatever you want to believe. If you're Jewish, or if you're Muslim, or if you're Hindu, or whatever religion you are, or if you're one of the other types of, of Christian religions, other denominations, that's your right. And uh, no government, no government anywhere in the world should have the ability to tell you what you can and cannot believe. And I live in the great state of Texas. And Texas has the right to decide what Texans, um, what rights that Texans have are to be protected. And, and the federal government really should be staying out of it as, as much as possible. So you can probably tell I'm a freedom-loving person. And uh, freedom sometimes is abused by some people. Uh, I don't think that freedom should be abused. I think if a person abuses freedom so much that they're taking away another person's freedom or infringing upon theirs, then I don't think that's right. Okay? So, you know, it's kind of like, well, I'm not going to call myself a libertarian, but but I do believe that that you have the right to exercise and to practice your beliefs, your faiths, the rights that the Constitution protects without infringing upon another person's right to do the same or to do something different. Does that make sense? I hope it does. If you have any comments or questions about that, again, handgunworld at gmail.com. Feel free if you disagree with me. I'm okay. I, I like disagreement. I'm okay with disagreement. I don't mind well thought out disagreement. Call up my voicemail. Disagree with me if you want. Just, you know, have a coherent message and a well-thought-out message. Don't just get on there and call me names and tell me that I'm an idiot. Tell me why I'm an idiot if you think I'm an idiot, okay? I'm open-minded to that kind of stuff. Or if I got something wrong, if I'm incorrect about something, correct me. Correct me on email, correct me on voicemail, get on Facebook, correct me on there if you want, Twitter. You'll find Handgun World on Facebook, Twitter, and even on YouTube. Okay, folks, last thing I'm going to say is go vote. If you have not voted yet, again, the release date of this show is Sunday, November 1st. If you have not voted yet, go vote. Even if you got to stand in line two or three hours, do your civic duty and go vote. Let your voice be heard. The more voters, the better. It's just as simple as that. Why do we want to let our decisions or let our let our policy decisions in our countries or states or cities? Why do we want to let them be decided by politicians that didn't get very many votes? Okay? Shouldn't be that way. They should be decided by politicians who got a lot of votes. So go vote. With that, I'll talk to you one week from today, November 8th. Hopefully by November 8th. The election will have been decided. I think we're in trouble if it's not decided by November 8th. Of course, this country's been through that situation before, and we don't want a repeat of the 2000 election that took weeks to get decided. We don't want that, but I'm afraid that maybe we might have that. I hope that when I do my next episode on November 8th, that the elections are decided. I really do. I think it's best for America that they're decided. One way or the other, 
five days after the election. I hope so. I hope so within five days. So next week, I'll, I'll talk to you again on Sunday, the 8th of November. Folks, I'm Bob Main, and I'm a practical guy, and this is a practical show. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. And remember, evil does not exist in the holster. It exists in the hearts of men and women. Shoot straight. Shoot safe. Read your Bible every day. And I'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. How can people be so bold?